You guys ready for the word? Amen. I'm ready for the word. I've had this day uh, marked on my calendar, excited for this day uh, ever since we scheduled it. Um, probably almost two years ago uh, when I initially came back to Brooklyn Teen Challenge in, uh, in 2017, one of the first churches that I got the opportunity to, to speak at and take our choir to uh, was Christ Uncensored House of Worship in Staten Island. And uh, we walked in there and had no idea uh, what a blessing it was going to be when we entered into that church. And one of the testimonies that I will always love about that church is that in, it's a mobile church, and everybody sets up, and so there's already a commitment. You know, they meet in a, in a, in a gym, and so they, they get there, they, they set stuff up, and everybody's committed. And then before church begins, everybody stops what they're doing, and they gather in the front, and they encourage one another, and they, they share a time in the Lord, and they pray together. And it was in that moment, I, you, you knew that this was just not, not just another church, that God was really doing something powerful. And it really left a mark on, on me that day, being there with them and worshiping with them and hearing uh, the, 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 the heart of Pastor Rolando. And uh, we've just stayed connected. You know, it was just an immediate connection. And I so appreciate this man and his wife uh, and their church uh, stayed connected to Joe. And, and he would just, you know, Facebook me sometimes and just, you know, pray or and say, say something encouraging. And so it's just awesome. It's great to, great to go to different pl places and see God moving. And so uh, would you join me as we welcome here tonight to bring the word. It's going to be good for Pastor Ro Rolando Remedios in the house. Praise God. Is anybody excited to be here? Can you, would you be able to stay there for like five more minutes to help me sound spiritual as I speak? I'm so excited to be here. Um, I knew that, um, I knew that, uh, that when I was coming here, I would, um, I would be fellowshipping with my good friend Will. And so I knew by default I'd be the second best looking guy <laughs> in the congregation. And then I met Evan, and then I said, I'll take third place. <laughs> and so I'm really excited to be here. I'll take the bronze uh, medal for that today. Uh, I want to give a shout out also to Pastor Kevin Tappan whom I know for many years. I didn't know he was going to be here today. Honor you, uh, man of God. He knows me since I was 17, 16 years old. And uh, he, he, I can't believe he's 55 because he looks exactly how I met him 17 years ago. God bless him. Amen. Uh, I don't know about you, but I just feel the presence of God in this place. Yeah, yeah. Come on. You can do better than that. I I just genuinely believe that the Holy Spirit is going to move in such a way. I don't know if you have plans to be somewhere else afterwards, but may I just suggest for, for maybe the next uh, six and a half hours that you would just stay put as I preach this message. No, but seriously speaking, I, I, just, I just feel like God's going to move in this place. And uh, everything that Kevin, uh, Kevin was speaking, Pastor Kevin Tappan was speaking, I was just like, he's... He's, he must have looked at my notes because I want to speak to you about your calling today. Uh, but one of the things that the Holy Spirit told me as I was making it, making my way here, he says, be prepared that my healing power is going to be poured out on this group of people tonight. And I don't know where you are here today, but I just genuinely believe that God is going to heal some people today physically. And also he's going to restore hearts here today. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen? Come on, if you believe that, give God a praise one more time in this room. Woo! Man, I, I'm, I'm one of those hollaback preachers, so if you're here, I mean, uh, Pastor Will will never tell you this, but um, when, when a preacher preaches that they, there's three things that we love to hear. You ready for this? Is Number one is amen. amen. The second one is, go ahead, preacher. Go ahead, preacher. And the one that's really good 
It's like when it's really good, you could say, take your time. Take your time, preacher. And if, uh, if you're bilingual, you could just get up, off your, uh, get up on your feet and say, dale, papi. Dale, papi. Amen? Uh, let's open up our Bible. to so 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Um, and uh, I send you greetings from our church, Christ Uncensored. We fellowship in the St. George area of Staten Island. We support this ministry. Big shout out to what God is doing here, Pastor Paul, Pastor Will. Just amazing that I have a friend here. Uh, him and I are not just ministry acquaintance, but Will and I have developed a friendship. And I, and I, I genuinely love this man and his uh, amazing wife. Um, and um, even, even in my own life, I've had to seek out for family members. And I want to let you know that you're, you're changing the world. And you need to know that. You're changing the world. And I, and I genuinely believe I came here to speak to those that maybe did not want to be here today. Maybe you feel to a certain degree you just came here or someone kind of suckered you into coming here today. But I came to talk to, talk to you. Amen? Amen? Amen. So just lovely greetings from our church and my wife. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 3. And it says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy. When I, call, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, and here's where I want to spend most of our time today. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God Look where it is, the gift of God which is in you. Let me let you know, if you've lost the location of the gift of God, I want to let you know where it is today. It's in you. Stir up the gift which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us, here it is, a spirit of fear, but of power. And of love and of a sound mind. <laughs> I want to give you the title to today's message. And if, if you're writing notes, put this in your notes. But also declare this to the neighbor next to you. Let him know the title to today's message. Tell him, stop second guessing your calling. No, but you didn't say it like you meant it. I, I'm, I mean, look at them with that Brooklyn kind of look. And tell them, neighbor. Second-guessing, you're calling. Now look at your other neighbor, the one that you ignored the first time, and tell him, you too. Tell him, stop. Second-guessing, you're calling. I want to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray with me. Heavenly Father, do what you only can do today, oh God, in the midst of your people. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you allow me to preach this six-hour message in 35 minutes. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouts. Amen. One more time, give God a praise in this room. Um, uh, I love that I know this knowledge. I love that, that, that I know that God loves me. God loves me, if you want to know what the gospel is, is that God loves you. That's the gospel. I, I, I love knowing the understanding. I'm so grateful that I, I have an understanding that God loves me. But the problem is that I'm starting to suspect that he loves my wife more. Yeah, that's what's happening. This is the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. Shame the devil. Because I've been serving the Lord a lot longer than my wife. And it just so happens that for whatever reason, my wife is named Lisa, by the way, and, and for whatever reason, God answers her prayers a lot, long, a lot quicker than mine. 
And for whatever reason, like, I don't know about you, but, like, when, like my wife, she could connect to God. Like, she just sheds a tear. <laughs> She's connected. Like, I have to spend, I have to be fasting for three days. I have to spend three hours in prayer, and then I feel the glory. My wife just steps in the room. She goes, Daddy, <laughs> Holy Ghost fire right there. And to make matters worse, my wife also, for whatever reason, every time we you, she just looks at me. And when she looks at me, I say something like silly. I'll say, oh, stop, whatever. And I will trip and fall and bust my grill. And, I'm, and I love my wife because she's like, she goes, my wife is like, she won't even say nothing. She won't even be like, oh, let me help you out. She goes like this. She goes, she goes, she goes <laughs> thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and so we've been having this ongoing argument, her and I. We've been like, you know, we've been having, you ever have one of those ongoing arguments? Like they just pause and they pick up a little bit later. So we've been having like this ongoing, if, if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. We don't call it arguing anymore. We call it a heated uh, conversation. And so, you know, we've been arguing. And so in our arguing, like, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about is like, hey, listen, I want to let you know that, that uh, this ongoing kind of conversation that we've been having, I'm like, hey, listen, when it comes to remembering things, I want you to rely on me. And because here's the problem. Like, I don't know if you ever noticed this about men and women. Uh, do we got any men in the house? Yeah. Do we got any ladies in the house? Okay, we outnumber them, but they sound louder than us. What's going on? And so, and so uh, we've been having this ongoing conversation, and uh, if you've never noticed about men and women, we argue differently. Have you noticed that? We do shopping and arguing differently. Have you ever seen a man go shopping? He goes inside the mall. He makes a left. He makes a right. He goes to the store. He puts on the shirt, and he walks out after he pays for it. He's done shopping. You ever seen a woman go shopping? She goes inside the mall. She goes in every single, single store there is. She tries every single outfit she tries. She even tries out outfits she can't afford. She just wants to see what she will look like. She will walk out not with what she wanted to buy, but with 50 other products that were half off. <laughs> ladies, and all the ladies say, amen. I tell you, my... <laughs> My wife had a sale, she had a sale, and she was like, I'm like, yo, why are you spending money like this? She was like, no, it's half off. That means I saved money. <laughs> and so we've been having this ongoing argument. And I'm like, hey, I want you to rely on me. I want you to rely on me when it comes to, you know, just remembering stuff. And because you, you know, when we are, I just, I remember facts. And my wife remembers feelings. You know what I'm talking about? Why all the men look scared to laugh at these jokes? They're like, I don't know if we're allowed. They remember feelings. Like my wife, she won't, she doesn't know what happened, when it happened, but she remembers how she felt. And I say, baby, I just, listen, I just need you to, re listen, I remember stuff. So when we, when we quote stuff over again, I need you to let me go down my memory lane and quote things because I remember facts. I don't remember feelings, and I remember there was one time we we're actually on our way to preach at a church, and she goes, listen, I don't like driving in Jersey, so I'll drive as you prepare your sermon, whatever, and, uh, and as we're driving, she goes, she just make sure at least you give me the heads up when I got to make a turn, when I got to make a left turn, when I got to make a right, and I said, okay. I said, that's fine. I promise you, just let me go over my sermon. You drive us in Jersey. Thank you so much, baby. I will direct you every single step. So we get across the bridge to Jersey. She goes, are you ready? I said, I'm ready. I said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to make a right on the dunk. You're going to make a, a right right here. You're going to make a right at the Dunkin' Donuts. What was that for? She goes, a right at the Dunkin' Donuts? You're going to tell me to make a right at the Dunkin' Donuts? At, dunk at that Dunkin' Donuts, there's a no right turn. And, you know, you know that's when I said, Here's my chance to win the argument we had three weeks ago. Don't act like you never did that before. <laughs> like, nah, I remember that argument. We put that on pause. We coming back right now. And so I said, no, baby, baby, let me explain something to you. See, baby? And I gave her that, like, that little pat on the, on the back. I'm like, honey, 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 come here, come here. And I said, baby, what you remember, see, you remember feelings. 
And I said, baby, I just, just, let, me just, let me just help you out. See, I remember facts. I said, there is no, no right turn at that Dunkin' Donuts. What you remember is the feeling of instruction when you come out of the Dunkin' Donuts. It's a sign that says no left turn. That's what you remember. And she goes, no, 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 baby. There's a right. No, I said, no, baby. I'm telling you, we're not going to go in the Dunkin' Donuts, so we're just going to go straight and make a right turn. She goes, okay. So we drive past Dunkin' Donuts. Guess what we see? Do we have that? No right turn. <laughs> I'm telling you, that thing was not there. God put it there because he loves my wife more. <laughs> I'm telling you. And so, and, and so this was crazy because, you know, my wife, you know, she goes, she's like, she's like what, what, what does that say, huh? What does that say? I thought, I thought you remember everything. I thought you remember everything. What happened? And I said, no, that wasn't there. And I started second guessing. She pulled out the files. She was like, we're going to go making a murderer here. We're going to pull back all the files right now. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring in question every single argument that you won based upon your memory. Because apparently your memory is not qualified to win an argument. Therefore, we're going to bring up every... All the arguments we've had in the past 10 years and second guess every single one of them. I've been married seven years, praise the name of the Lord. And I started second guessing every argument that I ever had with my wife because all this time I was 100% sure of my memory. Man, I started, you ever second guessed yourself? Like, have you ever second guessed, like, something brought such doubt in you, like, when I first became a father, I'm, I'm a father now of 13 years, and, and I remember when my son was born and he first got sick. And when he first got sick, he actually vomited. And when he vomited, it fell into his eyes, and he had puddles of vomit inside his eyes. And I was looking at it. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Oh, my God, I'm such a failure as a father. I let you, you have puddle of vomit in your eyes. <laughs> and I second-guessed my whole, like, I second guess, like, I'm never going to be a good father. This is absolutely terrible. And have you ever second guessed yourself? The reason that I bring this idea of second guessing yourself, because when we read this passage and we see in 1 Timothy chapter 3, what you see here is, is just that. The apostle Paul is speaking to a Timothy who is second guessing himself. It's someone who, who, see, Timothy started strong. At this point, he's the lead pastor of a church in Ephesus, and the church is over 100,000 deep. Can you imagine how successful Timothy was that in Ephesus, after, the, after Paul plants his church, he leaves Timothy there. Timothy, Timothy takes the lead. They're, I mean, they're having revival every single week, and now he becomes the center focal point of attacks from other people. He now becomes the m- main target for persecution. And Timothy's a little discouraged because I, I, I started doing good and I started doing well, but now, now I'm the center of persecution. I, he starts second-guessing himself. He starts second-guessing. Fear starts creeping into the person who once was full of faith. Now a little bit of fear starts trickling in. He's second-guessing himself, possibly even, if you read it in context, many scholars believe that he starts second-guessing his calling. Have you ever started, have you ever began to allow fear to creep in your life where you, almost to the moment you just started, everything was going good, everything was going vibrant, everything was going well, and then something happened, and now you started second-guessing yourself. God, are you sure, like, am I the one, can I be the one to do this? Have you ever second-guessed your calling? But look what the Apostle Paul says. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, everybody shout, in you. Which dwelt first in your grandmother Louise and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, I want to let you know something, that before you were even born, God had already plans for you to place his gifting, his anointing, his purpose inside your life. Therefore, I remind you, here it is, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying of hands. Stir up the gift of God in 
In the original language, many times we see gift as a talent or a capacity, but what, what he's actually saying in the original language, he's talking about uh, a gift that is a grace. Hear this, hear this. It's, a, it's to communicate this, a unique grace for a special work that God wants you to accomplish. Did you hear that? He says, he says, stir up the gift that is in you. What is that gift? He says, this is, I have a unique grace that has been placed on the inside of you to work out God's purpose for your life. Here's what he's saying. Timothy, I need you to understand something, that God has uniquely graced you for a work. He's saying, Timothy, I need you to get this in your mind because many times when we are doubting God's call over our lives, the first thing that we say, okay, maybe that's not for me. Maybe that's for someone else. Maybe that's for Pastor Paul and Pastor Will. But, but what he's saying is, no, no, I need you to get this in your spirit. I need you to stir up the unique grace that God has placed on the inside of you because I have Luke and Luke has a unique grace. I have Mark and Mark has a unique grace. I have Barnabas and Barnabas has a unique grace. But I need to let you know they can't do what you've been called to do. Luke can't do what you've been called to do because you have a unique grace to do what God has called you to do. He says, stir up the gift that is inside of you. You can't second guess what God has placed on the inside of you. Listen, you can guess, you can second guess many things in life, but he says, Timothy, you can second guess what is about to come your way. You can second guess so many things that are a part of this equation, but one of the things that you can take to the bank is the deposit that God has placed in you. And here's what he's saying. He said, listen, I, I've witnessed this. This is generational. It was inside of your grandma. It was inside of, it was inside of your mom, but now God has placed it on the inside of you. In other words, this is not your mama's faith or your grandmother's faith. There's something that I want to do on the inside of you. And it has bear, been bear witness with the spirit of God, with my laying of hands, through the generation that God wants to do in, uh, in your life. He's saying, listen, you need to understand this, that what I'm about to do in your life, is unlike anything I've ever done before because you have a unique grace for the work that I have ahead of you. He says, stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. And at this time, Timothy is actually functioning lesser than the potential that God has placed in him. See, Timothy knows that he has potential. Timothy knows that he's called but he's in a moment in his life where he's, he's second-guessing it. Maybe he's looking at his life and he's saying, I've, got, I've had a good run. Man, uh, look where we at. Whew. I've had a good run. Things look pretty good right now. Things, things look okay right now. I mean, I, I, I'm, I've done what God has called me to do. And Paul is saying, this, listen, Timothy, you've kind of let the gift and your purpose die down a little bit. You're not operating to the full potential. I remember there was a time in my life where I looked in the mirror and I said, Ro, you've accomplished a lot at 25 years old. And I was going through one of the most difficult seasons in my life to the point where I lost everything. I lost everything that I loved, everything that I enjoyed. And in one year, I lost car, house, marriage, kids. I lost it all in one year. And I remember looking in the mirror and I said, man, there's a lot of people that can't say what I've done in, in 25 years. And I remember the Holy Spirit put a check in my spirit. And he said, listen, man, don't be looking in the mirror, talking to yourself like that. He goes, because your better days are not behind you. They're ahead of you. He said, listen, listen, I need you to stir up the, the gift and I need you to remind yourself that you, you need to, I don't know about you, but sometimes you need to remind yourself that the spirit of God lives on the inside of you. I'm, I'm tired of allowing our minds to get the best of us and, and allowing circumstances to speak into our lives and try to eradicate and erase what God has deposited on the inside of us long ago. And I think sometimes we need to look in the mirror and we need to speak prophetically over our lives. And we need to start declaring what God has already placed on the inside of us. And you need to be reminded. I need to look in the mirror sometimes and remind myself I'm called. Is anybody here with me? 
I need to look in the mirror and say, I'm called. I'm blessed. I'm destined. I'm, 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 no matter the insecurity, I'm prosperous. Guess what? I'm never going to second guess my calling again because even if it doesn't manifest on the inside, it's still on the inside of me. I am greater. I have a purpose. I have an assignment. There is something that God wants to unfold through me. We can't fall in the trap allowing the enemy to put doubt in our mind and second guess who God called us to be from the very foundations of the earth. And many times we start looking at our lives and saying, this is who I am. And God is saying, no, that is not who you are. You are an image bearer of my son, Jesus Christ. There's a purpose. There's a plan for you. Stop second guessing your calling. And maybe you're like, God, I don't know if you can use me. I want to let you know that if God can use a tiny mustard seed to move a mountain, he can use you. That if God can use a skinny little staff to deliver a nation, he can use you. That if God can use a small lump of mud to heal a blind man, he can use you. That if he can use a slingshot to bring down a giant, he can use you. That if he can take a little bit of dust to create humanity, he can use you. That if he can take two pieces of wood... And three nails to save the world. Come on. He can you. Stop second guessing your calling. God God can take the material of weakness. Put it on the potter's wheel and create a masterpiece out of it. I want to let you know that you have more in you that you can use up in a lifetime. You have more inside of you that you can use up in your lifetime. I want to make sure that when I hit those pearly gates, everything that God had placed on the inside of me was spilled out to this world around me. He says, Timothy, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. He didn't give you the spirit of fear. I want to let you know right now, if you have, if you have a fear in your life, I want to let you know who didn't give it to you. It wasn't God. See, many times we present, now watch this. He says, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Notice he didn't say God didn't give you fear. He says, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. Did you know that fear was a spirit? God bless you. Worship team, we're done here. (laughs) God didn't give you a spirit of fear. See, many times we're dealing with a spiritual problem through emotional means. Oh, that was a good time to say amen. Go ahead, preacher. Take your time and all the above. I didn't give you a spirit. See, see, the truth is that we're always spirit-led. The question is, what spirit are we being led by? We're always spirit-led. Oh, I don't know if you're spirit-led. No, we're always spirit-led. The question is, what spirit are we being led by? Are we being led by a spirit of fear or are we being led by a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind? Because this is what he's saying. He's saying, he's saying, Paul, uh, he's saying, Paul is telling Peter, he's saying, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. He, he's saying there's a spirit behind the fear you have that you've allowed to kind of creep in. Did you know that? Did you know, like, it's, it's like a creep in. Many times we think the enemy is going to come out like Biggie Small, kicking the door, waving the 4-4. No, he's not. It's a spirit that just creeps in. It's a spirit that creeps in. And, and, and he says, you've allowed this spirit of fear to kind of creep in. And it's began to produce things. It began to produce things like fear in your life. And I want to let you know something. Like that when he says the spirit of fear, look what he's talking about. This word fear. See, there's many fears that we can struggle with. I, I don't know. Like there's this fear of, it, there's an actual fear, top ten fears. Here we go. Number one is the fear of getting old. Because I'm celebrating the 10th anniversary of my 36-year-old, my 26-year-old birthday. <laughs> There's the fear. Here, get this. This is actual fears. Fears of, get, of being poisoned. There is fear of being a coward. Top 10 fears. That means you're scared of being scared. 
There's a fear of public speaking. There's, there's germophobia, fear of germs. There's the fear of death. There's the fear of loneliness, top ten fears. But you know what Paul is speaking about? He's not speaking about an ordinary fear. In the original language, what Paul is trying to communicate is a particular kind of fear. He's not communicating any kind of fear because many times we're bold in many areas in our lives, but we are fearful on the other end. And what Paul is communicating, watch this, if you, if you study this in the original language, what he's communicating, look what the Greek word in this context means. It, de it denotes timidity in the struggle for the kingdom of God. Wait a minute, wait, what? what? It's, it denotes timidity in the struggle for the kingdom of God. He's saying, I think, I think you got a condition, Timothy. I think your condition is uniquely called a phobia. Oh, some of you guys will get that on the way home. He says, see, see you, you might have bravery, but I've noticed that you're fearful when it comes to moving forward in God's kingdom. He said, he said, you're struggling, like you're not approaching your calling with tenacity. You're approaching your calling with timidity. You're not approaching your calling with fervency. You're approaching your calling with fear. And many of us, many times in our lives, we're pursuing so many things in our lives with, with courage and bravery. But when it comes to the call of God on our lives, we're, we're approaching it sheepishly and cowardly. I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't know if God, did God call me. I don't know if he called me. Oh, my God. But I got to watch Netflix. I don't know about, but the pastor's calling me to serve. And I don't know. But, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Like, and, God, and, and this is what Paul's saying. He said, listen, man, the Lord didn't give you a spirit of fear. In other words, uniquely called a phobia. The Lord didn't give you a spirit that is fearful towards your calling. And, oh, and, and we're relentless with other pursuits. But I want to let you know that if God called you to pursue it, he will empower you to do it. I need you to get that in your spirit. He's saying, listen, Paul's saying, listen, stop second-guessing your calling. Because if the enemy can just get you to second-guess your calling, he'll be okay with some, so many other things in your life. See, many times we think the enemy's out to destroy us at first shot. No, that his, that's his long-term goal. But his short-term goal is simply, listen, if, if I can just get you to second-guess your calling, if I can just poison you with uniquely called a phobia, if I can, some of us, we need to be delivered today from uniquely called a phobia. You know you're called. You know you got a purpose. It's been prophesied over your life. It's been spoken over you. And you're still walking, well, I don't know, in God's timing. And God is saying, no, I want to let you know I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but I gave you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. If you believe that in this place, come on, give God a shout of praise all over this room. Enemies like, enemies like, if I can just, if I, if I can just get you to doubt that you're equipped enough, if I can just distract you and keep you away from your focus and your promise, if I can get you to fear, even accomplish anything, if I can get you to reconsider what God has spoken in your life, then I'll be okay with you going to church. If I can get you to doubt your calling, then I'll be okay with you singing songs and hearing messages as long as you never apply them. I'll be okay with you with, with, with a cross around your neck. And as long as I can keep you in the tension of, oh, I love God, but I don't know if I'm going to pursue my calling. Paul says, Timothy, you can't have fear like that when there's a God so powerful above you. Ahead of you, beside you, behind you, and inside of you. And if we're not careful, some of us will second-guess ourselves straight out of the will of God. The Apostle Paul says, he says, I want to let you know something. I, I want you to stir up the gift, Timothy. I know that you've had a good run, but God's not done with you yet. I know you've accomplished some things, but God's not done with you yet. Stir up the gift, Timothy, is inside of you, Timothy. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a, a spirit of power. Now, I love the word power. 
When I hear the word power, I get like reinvigorated, right? Like I, power. Power. Someone shout power. power. Someone shout power. power. He says, I, I, gave you, I didn't give you a spirit of fear, but I gave you a, a spirit of power. Someone shout power. Now, now, when I think about power, here's what I think about in the traditional sense. I think about so many times we see power in the Bible and we think explosion. We think potency. We think conquering. We think overcoming. We think achieving. We think victory. We think attaining success. We think gaining ground. Anybody 2019 want to gain ground in their life? Gaining ground. 2019. How many started New Year's resolutions? How you doing? But in the original language, man, I did a word study on this, and what, what he talks about in the usage of this word power in context, get this, woo, it's not a power to conquer. And that messed me up because I want to conquer. Like, I just, I, man, I'm ready. Like, you ever ready to go to war? Like, you fast for three days, and, like, you ready to take a shower, and you can't take a shower because you start walking on water? You know what I'm talking about? Like you try to take a bath, those, those bath splits. Like I can't even take a bath, I'm so holy. Right? This is not a power to conquer. In fact, when Paul is using this word, look at it, it says in a power in context. It's a power to patiently endure. Whew. It's a steadfastness in resisting. To resist great danger... And difficulty, a power to bear up under trial. <laughs> it's a power to not be discouraged. He says, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power. But here's how I want you to understand this. It's power not to conquer, Timothy. See, the power that I've given you, see, so many times we celebrate the power to conquer. But I think the church needs to get good at celebrating the power not to be conquered. Ooh, I came to preach today. He, he, he said, he say, listen, man, I, I know it might not look like you're moving forward, and you think because you're not moving forward and because you're not gaining ground that the power of God is not working in you, Timothy. But I want to let you know the fact that you're still here, Timothy, goes to show that though you may have not conquered, the fact that you have not been conquered is a demonstration that God's power is still working in your life. I, in 2012, we got hit by a hurricane. You guys remember Hurricane Sandy in San Island? It devastated us. Man, it, it tore us up. But here's, here's what you got to know about 2019, that the hurricane is not there. See, we couldn't conquer the hurricane. But the fact that the hurricane didn't conquer us is demonstration that God's power was at work at that very present time. Guess what? Here we are, 2019. The hurricane is gone, but God's people are still here, alive, and well. He's saying, Timothy, I need you to get this in your spirit that though you may have not gained ground, the fact that you haven't lost the ground that God has already given you is a demonstration of my power. I need to let somebody here know today that just because you have gone through failure, you may have not conquered the failure, but the fact that the failure didn't conquer you is a demonstration that God's power is still dwelling on the inside of you. Listen, you may have not conquered the divorce, but the fact that the divorce didn't conquer you is a demonstration that God's power is still active in your life. You may have not conquered the abortion, the layoff. You may have not conquered them talking about you, but the fact that that didn't conquer you, it's a demonstration that God's power is working on the inside of you. Is there anybody in this room that says, I got that kind of power. I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. I'm still moving. I may look like in my life, it may look like in my life that I have not gained ground, but the fact that the, God, the ground that I've already gained has not been stripped from me. It's a demonstration that God's power is still in my life. He says, Timothy, Timothy, I need you to get this. The power that God's given you is a power to simply resist and not be conquered. 
I think we need to celebrate thriving all the time. And I think the church does well at thriving. But we also need to celebrate surviving. Because many times our thriving story started with a surviving story. Yeah, it should have killed me. It should have destroyed me. Some of us should have been in a hospital. Some of us should have been in a corner. Some of us should have been abandoned. Some of us should have been somewhere in a funeral and in the cemetery. But God's power was working on the inside of us. Come on, if you believe that in this place, give God a shout of praise in his roof. He says he gave you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power. And of love. He says, I gave you a spirit of love as the worship team comes up. I want to give you two more things. He says, I've given you a spirit of love. I want you to know that. Now, when I hear that, I'm like, okay, what, what, what does a spirit of love do? But when Paul writes this word love, he's talking about a love that will make you do the dangerous. It's a love that makes you do the dangerous despite any logical reasoning. He says, Timothy, you've been doubting your calling. You've been struggling with your purpose. You've been doubting that God has placed the gift of purpose inside of you. You've allowed fear to creep in, but I want to let you know that God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit of power. Of power, a power to what? A power not to be conquered. But he also gave you a spirit of love. And some of you need to get this today because many times we're, we're like, why is it that I'm doubting my calling? Why is it that I'm second guessing what God has for my life? And what Paul is saying is saying, what Paul is saying in essence is this. He says, you haven't allowed God's love to penetrate you in such a way that you're willing to do the dangerous in spite of any logical reasoning. Can I, can I give you an example? Like, I don't know about you. Is there anybody here, you're scared of fire? I don't like fire. Anybody like fire, like touching it? Oh, my gosh. We're going to have an altar call afterwards. I don't like fire. I cook almost every day. And I don't like fire. My wife cooks every day as well. And um, when I cook, I don't get burned. You know why? Because I don't like fire. You know that, you know that, like, that saying, like, hey, just let the kid touch it. He'll never touch it again. My wife didn't get that memo. Every time she cooks, she gets burned. But I detest fire. Like, I, I don't want to come near fire because fire will burn you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Somebody like, hey, man, I got burned so many times. But I don't like fire. But I want, I want you to catch this. I, I detest fire. Fire is actually intimidating and it's scary, right? The Lord didn't give me a spirit of fear, right? It's, it's, fear, it's intimidating. But watch this. If there was a burning building full of flames, all they would have to tell me is that my son was in it. For the fire to be eradicated in my mind. <laughs> Somebody's going to catch this today. See, as, as scared as, and as fearful I am of fire, all you got to tell you, yo, Rolando, your son is in there. Oh, let me tell you something. You tell me that my son is in that building, the love that I have for my son, I'm telling you the passion that I have for my son, the love that I have for him. The Lord didn't give me a spirit of fear, but he gave me a spirit of power and of love. A love what? A love that looks danger in the face and runs into the fiery flames despite of what fire can do for me or do to me. My son is in there and I love my son. And what the Bible says is this, perfect love cast out all fear. What? Oh, oh I'm going to run towards the flame. Why? Because the love I have for my son casts out all fear towards the flame. I need somebody to get this in, the, in this house today. Here's what he says, First John. Look what it says. It says, such 
Love has no fear. Do we have that? There is no room in love for fear. Somebody needs to catch this in the spirit. Such love has no fear. There is no room in love. I ain't got room for fear in my marriage. I ain't got room for fear in my finances. I ain't got room for fear in my life. I ain't got room for fear in my children. I don't got room for fear in my generation. I don't got room for fear in my calling. Why? Because God's love has permeated my being in such a way that I can run towards the flames because the passion of God's love dwells so greatly on the inside of me. I don't know who I'm speaking to today. But I want to let you know you need to stop second-guessing your calling. God is saying, man, could we get over this conversation already? Could we, stop, could we start having other conversations? Because we've been having this ongoing conversation about your calling, but we need to be settled on this conversation already. And this is the third thing he tells them. He says, love, he says, power of love, watch this, and of a sound mind. A sound mind. He's saying, Timothy, you're, he said, you're, you're double-minded, Timothy. You keep drawing to the left and also to the right, and you don't know which way to go, and you don't have a sound mind. In the original language, what he's saying, he's saying a mind that is settled with what God wants for your life. And there's too many of us on our journey to fulfill our purpose that we're still second-guessing, and we're still walking double-minded. And the Bible says that the devil... It's looking, it says, be sober-minded, for the devil walks like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Do you know who, do you know that the enemy can't devour just anyone? That he can only devour those that are not sober-minded. And when he talks about sober-minded, he's talking about a double-mindedness. He's saying like, I'm good on Sunday. Ooh! I'm good at church. But then I walk out and I'm operating with a, a different level of philosophy, a different ideology. I'm operating under, under a different set of principles. And he's saying, Timothy, like you, you've allowed fear to creep in your life in such a way that you're not settled. He says, There's an imbalance in your way of thinking. He said, when you get too high, you're super high. But you need the kind of faith and you need the kind of perseverance. And the spirit that God has placed on the inside of you is a spirit that is settled on what God has determined for your life. And God's saying, I need you to stop fighting with who I say you are. I need you to stop arguing with me with who I've declared over your life. I need you to stop wrestling with me with what I've already predestined for you. Stop second-guessing your calling, Timothy. God has given you the spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. A mind that says, I'm settled on my calling. A mind that says, I'm settled on my purpose. A mind that says, I'm settled that no matter what comes my way, it can come to my left, it can come to my right, but none would harm me because I'm pursuing the call of God in my life. Is there anybody in this house that's willing to say, Pastor, that's me. I'm going to pursue my calling no matter what. If you believe that in this house, I dare you to get up on your feet right now. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Oh, yeah, If you're here today, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. Pastor Rowe, what do I do now then? What do I do now, Pastor Rowe? 
I want you to do what Jesus did in the book of Luke. Can we put that scripture up? Do we have that? Luke, this last verse, I want you to read it. And this is the answer. He said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. God, God, here I am. I've been second guessing my whole way here, God. I don't even know if I can handle this cup. I don't even know if I can bear the calling that people say you have placed in my life. But now my will be done. Let your will be done in my life. If that's you in this house, at the count of three, here's what I want you to do. I want you to raise your hand at the round of, at the count of three. They're saying, I'm going to stop arguing with God about my calling. One, today's your day. Two, Jesus loves you. Three, if that's you in this place, I need you to raise up your hand. If that's you, can you step outside of a now and run to this altar right now? Come on. One, two, three. Come on. Run, 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 run. Run, run, run. The Holy Spirit's going to shake this room. Come on, make some room. Press in, press in, press in. Come closer, come closer. All the way in the back, you need to come closer. Come on. Come on, sing it in this room. Sing it in this room. Shut up. 